I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my daughter, Leah, and my friend, Rivka, And this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And today, I am really actually with Aaliyah. How are you, Aaliyah? I'm great. How are you? Good. So you're sitting next to me. And why is that? Because I just finished my first year of college at BYU, and I am now home for the summer. Yay. Welcome home. That's awesome. (laughs) So we're glad to have you back for the summer. And um, what are your musical plans this summer? Um, I've written a few songs at the end of the semester, and I think I want to keep writing some stuff and uh, probably record vocals and such for those. So, oh, exciting recording yeah. vocals! I like it <laughs> very nice. So, fantastic. Well, I'm glad to have you back. So, thanks for being here today, <laughs> Rivka. How are you today? Doing just great. Awesome. Um, how's the weather up there? Uh, it is rainy today. It is. Oh. <laughs> we have. We have finished our spring, I don't know, run of sunshine, but it's perfect because today's the first rainy day, which means it smells wonderful. Oh, good. Yeah. Smell of rain, like after it's been warm is different than the smell of rain when it's been raining for a while and all the birds are out. Um, Beautiful. So yeah, no blue skies today, but there is still beauty. (laughs) Good. Fantastic. Well, um, today we are going to talk about the uh, talk Room in the Inn by Elder Garrett W. Gong of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And to start out, I'll ask Aaliyah, what was your big takeaway from this talk? Um, For this one, I just kept getting the impression over and over um, that I should work on compassion and not judgment. And I've said that before in one of the other talks we did from October 2020, Um, the one where he talked about the doctor who was like judging the patient, I can't remember who gave that talk, but, um, so that phrase over and over just kept popping into my head. And in the talk, um, Elder Gong says in this Easter season, Jesus Christ invites us to become like him, a good Samaritan to make his inn a refuge for all from life's bruises and storms. So that was my general takeaway. Awesome. So compassion and not judgment. Mm Mm-hmm. I like it. So what, um, in what ways do you think we experience judgment? Um, for me, it's the immediate kind. The When you look at someone, I just instantly make an assumption or judgment or a opinion on that person, even if I haven't talked to them, usually based on what they're wearing or, you know, what, what they're doing or something. Um, and I'm pretty bad at that taking control over what I think about a person. So for instance, in like 
testimony meeting or something, if someone is walking up to the stand and they have a short dress on or something, which isn't even like a bad thing necessarily, I just instantly make an assumption. I'm like, oh, they're dressing somewhat immodest. They're a terrible person. And then <laughs> that doesn't let me feel the spirit of what they're trying to say. Right. But they're doing a great thing by giving a testimony. And clearly they have something to contribute because they give a good spiritual thought. And so I shouldn't let any kind of assumption I could make about a person take away from what I can get from their message and what message they can give to us. Okay. Awesome. When I studied as part of my medical training, you know, you have to do some psychology stuff. And then, uh, uh my wife also did a whole degree in psychology. When I studied psychology, there's that sort of judgment is it's like a psychological shortcut that we use where, our brains just sort of skip a bunch of steps to save time and energy. At least that's how they presented it in the textbooks, you know? And um, so I've come to think of it sort of as a natural man tendency Mm -hmm. um, that is part of our humanity um, that we need to sort of constantly strive against. Um, Because of course the opposite of that, um, you mentioned compassion. I think I might also throw in the word charity where we sort of see them as the savior sees them. Um, and that's, that's something you have to fight for and just not, you know, just fall into the default of making assumptions. So I like that takeaway. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Rivka, what was your big takeaway? This talk for me is such a great example of the reason that we like read our scriptures over and over and over again. We keep reading the Book of Mormon every year. We keep studying the other books of scripture and why when we listen to general conference, even though the topics seem to cycle through pretty regularly, it always feels new and fresh um, because he brings up this parable, which is maybe one of the most familiar ones to all of us and, and talked about it in a way that I had never considered before. Like the inn in this parable was never something that really even registered for me in the story. Right. For me, the story takes place on that path and, and, you know, shows the difference in reactions of people. And I just never followed it through to the guy being taken to the inn. I mean, you know, that happens, but for me, that was never really a part of the parable. And so as he spoke like if you looked at my notes while I was taking notes during conference, I was like writing with the other talks and with this one, then it was just like blank. I had to go back in and fill it in because I just was almost dumbfounded. How could I have never thought of these things before? And it's <laughs> been such prominent. I just was sort of mouth of God, just listening and sucking it all in. So my, my overarching thought for this talk was that I am so grateful that there are endless lessons that come from the teachings of the master teacher. Yeah. That reminds me of what you just said about the rain, even though it rains all the time, sometimes a fresh new rain gives the world a new smell. So yeah, that's true. um, Can you summarize what he says about the parable here? Um, Just in case people are listening who haven't read the talk recently or don't remember the details. Yes. Um, Well, so he opens the talk sharing a couple of experiences that he had with witnessing uh, cruelty in in the world or by people. Um, right. One of the things that touched me so much was the thing that his father said about the loud sirens they heard while they were in Paris. And he said, those cries are the wounds of a city. 
Um, and then he introduces the parable of a good Samaritan um, and likens the inn to the church and that and us to the to the wounded and I mean us all of us to that to that wounded man who was brought to the inn and the good that the church can do the people in the church can do to those who are wounded which is all of us yeah that's awesome and and he tells us you know um that we he kind of likens us to both the people passing by, you know, the priests and and so forth, like we should help each other, but also we are the ones who are wounded. Like we both, we have both opportunities or not opportunities, but both experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, so in, in some way we're the priest, we're the man set upon and we're the people in the inn all at once. Yes. All of it. Yes. All of it. So it was, it was pretty interesting as he weaved all those threads together. So Um, and then he gave us five things that we learned, um, about, uh, Jesus Christ and ourselves as we talk about or learn about it through the good Samaritan to the end. Um, so let's, let's go through some of these things. So the first was we come to the end as we are with the foibles and imperfections we each have. So Aaliyah, what do you take away from that? Um, for this, it's just kind of comforting to know that even with our own issues, we have something to contribute. But for me, what I got out of this was that the people around me also have something to contribute, um, regardless of what they're going through or what struggles they have. Um, all of us have something that we that we need to contribute. Use the word need. So, yeah, going back to that judgment. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And he says um, in the next paragraph, as our hearts change and we receive His image in our countenance, we see Him and ourselves in His church. Uh, and that he didn't directly quote the entire scripture, but um, we were sort of noticing that this theme has come up multiple times already just in this morning, Saturday morning session that we're going through mm-hmm. um, of seeing um, the Lord and seeing our seeing ourselves in him and seeing his image in our countenance. And here he says, see ourselves in his church. So um, again, emphasizing that we're trying to become like him, um, which is, you know, always our long term goal. Um, Rivka, did you have anything to add about that first section where he's talking about us coming to the end as we are? Yeah, my favorite sentence in in this little section is he trusts us to help make the inn the place he needs it to be. I thought that was a great in fact, out to the side I wrote invitation because I actually found an invitation in all five of these. But <laughs> I I loved that um I love that idea. I've been thinking about it a lot this week. How can I help to make the in the place he needs it to be? Like, what's my part to contribute? And what did you think about? What What were your conclusions? <sighs> oh, we have so many roles, don't we? We have roles as, as individuals. We have roles as callings, as um, family members. And so I think every day we're given multiple opportunities to help make the in the place he needs it to be. And um, I, I thought I could just be more aware of this and not just needing to, but also recognizing that what I'm doing is helping this. It made me think of my dad, um, growing up all of his prayers, um, like when we would do family prayers or even mealtime prayers, all of them would contain a phrase, something like, 
um, help that the work we do today will be a blessing to the kingdom. And, you know, so I, I, I guess I kind of grew up thinking that this is another way of saying that, like help us to make it in the place he needs it to be magnify our work and the things we're doing, help us to see it, help, help others to feel it. And so in some way you're talking about magnifying your calling, but also just more broadly, maybe being a good, um, resident of that inn, sort of being yeah. someone who, who helps and lifts and, and cares for others. Is that right? Well, that, I mean, that is what Jesus did. You know, everything that he did, whatever kind of conversation he was having, sometimes it was preaching in a synagogue, but mostly it was just going around in his day to day and the interactions he had with people. And all of that for him was doing his father's work. And so I think that's something that we could all do. Okay. And the so that's his invitation. The, the promise he offers with that is um, as we offer our talents and best efforts, his spiritual gifts also strengthen and bless. And then he... In the footnotes, which is another reason I enjoy reading these after the fact is, you know, you don't get footnotes in real time from a talk. Um, You know, he uh, quotes from the sections in Moroni and Doctrine and Covenants where it talks about all the spiritual gifts. And that's something we could spend a long time talking about (laughs) just those spiritual gifts. But I have definitely felt those spiritual gifts as I've um, served in callings. And I have... um, had the immense blessing as a bishop. It's one of my uh, privileges to, uh, through the spirit of discernment, understand some of the spiritual gifts of others. And part of that is when I extend callings and part of that happens as I just interact with people. Part of that happens as I, I bless them. And actually in Doctrine and Covenants, I, I think I didn't look it up ahead of time, but I think it says I have the responsibility to figure that out. So anyways, um, that has been a very, very um, beautiful and powerful thing for me as I've set people apart or counseled them or prayed about who should get what calling, you know, to hear the whispers of the spirit talk about, well, this person's got, um, you know, the gift of, of teaching or the gift of faith or whatever it may be, or be able to bestow that on someone as part of their calling it. It's been a very um, special and sacred thing for me. So I have a, a special place in my heart for spiritual gifts and, um, it's something I really enjoy talking about and, and thinking about and praying about. So I'm glad he brought that up as one of the blessings we get from serving. Um, the next thing he says is, second, he entreats us to make his inn a place of grace and space where each can gather with room for all. Um, so Rivka, what did you get uh, from this second part or this second um, part of his talk where he encouraged us to make space for all? Well, don't you just love that description, grace and space? Don't you want to be in a place like that all the time? Like <laughs> That sounds like a wonderful, like a place of grace and space where we're all welcome. Um, yeah, totally awesome. There, yeah. And, and that only happens for us when we help it happen for everyone. So creating, creating that place of, or creating a place of grace and space for others creates that for ourselves. Actually, I think he gets into that in the third section a little bit, but, um, in our last, well, it was in our Sunday school. We, our ward met for a second hour for the first time last Sunday. Oh, and in, um, in the second hour adult Sunday school class, one of the brothers stood up 
I didn't recognize him. He and his wife had moved into the ward just shortly after everything shut down a year ago. For us, it was a year. It's been a little over a year um, here. And and he said it, he was quite emotional about how grateful he was to be there because he said, you know, we've been in this ward for almost a year, and this is the first time I've seen a lot of faces um, and, and feeling grounded in the ward. Um, he had had some people visit, and they he and his wife both expressed their gratitude for the people who were able to reach out and um, you know, talk to them and welcome them. But I, there was kind of this feeling and several people who had been in the ward a long time also expressed how much they missed the space, that place, how grateful they were to be back and seeing faces and feeling that sense of belonging again. And so as I read through this, that's, I, I feel like we felt a little of what it's like to not have this, not of our own choice, just because of the circumstances of the world, but this place, imagining ourselves in a place where we welcome friends, visitors, new move-ins. We rejoice and are there for each other. Um, it just felt like that again, like we had been reunited into a space like that again. That's a beautiful feeling of a place of uh, a space of grace. Make <laughs> yes, space. A place grace. of I, grace and space. There you go. I, there you go. <laughs> I should have just read it. Uh, that, that is a beautiful feeling and that brings unity. I loved the quote here where he's quoting someone who moved from Africa to the United States. And they said, you know, everyone made them feel at home. And the father said, oh, the Holy Bible teaches gospel fruits come from gospel roots. Mm -hmm. So I guess uh, um, Elder Maxwell was the king of alliteration. I guess Elder Gong likes to rhyme things. I don't know. <laughs> Space yeah. and grace, fruits and roots. Um, what was the invitation you saw in this section, Rivka? Uh, this last section, or the last sentence, sorry, brothers and sisters, may we each warmly welcome all to his inn. That's a really simple invitation. Yeah. I love the simple ones that are just so straightforward, you know. Yeah. Let's welcome all to his inn. Perfect. Aaliyah, our next section is the third section where he talks about perfection in Jesus Christ versus perfectionism of the world. Mm -hmm. What was your takeaway from this section? Um, for this one, he compared social media and the uh, general kind of sense of perfectionism that comes from that, um, because people generally only post, you know, things that they're proud of or things that make them look, they'd like them at their peak or when they look the best or when they feel the best or when they do the best thing or experience the best thing. Um, and he compares that to the Savior. He says, in contrast, our Savior, Jesus Christ, knows everything about us. We don't want anyone else to know, and he still loves us. So Christ sees us at our lowest and sees us when we feel the worst and when we do the worst things and experience the worst things. And yet he still loves us far more than anyone looking at our Instagram page can ever love us. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I think when he said that, like Christ knows everything about us that we don't want anyone else to know. And he still loves us. When he said that in conference, like all my friends, I was watching with a group of my friends and I, I just like could see the effect that that had on them. And I, I watched them all like go to their notebooks and start writing. <laughs> and uh, it, it just hit hard for a lot of people, I think. So that was my main takeaway from this one. So I like how he's sort of building here where he says in the first one, you know, we come to the inn as we are with our imperfections. In the second one, we invite everyone else to the inn as they are with their imperfections. 
And in the third, we learn that those imperfections are okay and that the Lord still loves us and that the whole point of being in the end is for us to work on those and get better. And you talked about judgmentally. He says he invites each of us to be a good Samaritan, less judgmental and more forgiving of ourselves and of each other, um, even as we strive. He, he also, this guy can turn a phrase here, unreal and unrealistic. The world's insta-perfect filtered perfectionism can make us feel inadequate, captive to swipes, likes, and double taps. I mean, that's some amazing wordsmithing there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just and he just the way he phrases it that that sentence is so dense and it captures like the entire world of social media all yeah. in one you know one amazing sentence. So, um, Rivka, what has your experience with this perfectionism been? Uh, perfectionism is definitely something that I have struggled with my whole life. Um, in the sense of. Sometimes we think of perfectionism as like, I need to be able to do everything perfectly or I'm not going to turn an assignment until it's totally perfect. But real perfectionism is is sort of a deep-seated belief that there is, it's almost like a hopeless, there's nothing I can do that will make me able to live up to the standards I have in my own head for myself, right? Like I've created this idea of what I need to be doing or how I need to be living that is so far beyond my reach on my own that it it you're kicking yourself in the in the legs you know um so my experience my experience has not been on social media that's not a particular area where i have struggled because i'm just not on there a whole lot um but i know i'm not the only person out there who has um struggled with the idea Forgetting sometimes that <laughs> it is the Savior that makes it possible for us to return to our Heavenly Father. But I know I'm not the only one who has struggled with the real um, concern that however much they try in the gospel, it's not enough. That there's so much to do, or that people do it so much better, or are so much more righteous, or have so many more spiritual gifts, like you talked about, than I have that I, there, there's no measuring up, however hard I try. So I appreciate this section from him, especially the sentence, his is a gospel of second and third chances made possible by his atoning sacrifice. And I feel like when Elder Gong says second and third chances, he means it the way that the, sa- the Savior means 70 times seven. Right. You know, it's not really you only get three. It's just that there is always another chance as long as you're turning to Jesus Christ, there's always another chance. He never cuts that off. Right. Uh, well, you can cue the broken record because to me, this perfectionism is about a lack of hope yes. and uh, yeah. meaning the, you know, the lack of confidence that the Lord can overcome, um, you know, all things and our own imperfections. And Ripke said, sort of setting the standard that you can never reach. And I think it, you know, in the worst cases, you're going even one step further and saying, well, I'm beyond even the reach of the Savior. Yeah. Um, And it's almost a thought like the Savior can do this for everyone except me. It's not that I don't believe he doesn't have the power. It's just that I don't, I don't believe that I'm worthy of that reach out. And it breaks my heart to see people who are giving their all to the church and the Lord and 
experiencing simultaneously the sorrowing of the damned, as we read about in the Book of Mormon. It's just, it's a lie so big that you swallow it, you know? Uh, well, Aaliyah, speaking what? of wordsmiths, that was a good way to put that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll add something to that. So I, I would probably say I'm a perfectionist. I used to be more so than I am now. Um, and it usually would, you know, come up in school projects and stuff like Rivka was saying like, oh, this could be better or whatever. Um, but I think what has prevented me from, so perfectionism can be good or bad. I think trying to achieve perfection could be good because I think that has hope in it. But trying to, like, if you are a perfectionist, then that's where the lack of hope comes in. So when it's um, debilitating is when you lose that hope and you don't think you can ever be perfect. And so for me, it comes up in, like, why even try? Like, why even try if I know I'll never reach what I want to reach? And um, what's kept me from kind of feeling that way in the gospel is knowing that, is knowing about the atonement and about the Savior and all the things that he does to provide hope for us. So that hope is what prevents my perfectionist tendencies to from becoming something debilitating to me in my journey. So awesome. Thanks, Aaliyah. And did either of you find an invitation in this one? Well, the invitation, at least according to Elder Gong, comes from the Savior himself. And you read it. He said he invites each of us to be a good Samaritan less judgmental and more forgiving of ourselves and of each other, even as we strive more fully to keep his commandments. I do like that he included forgiving of ourselves and each other. Like sometimes we need to be the Mm -hmm. good Samaritan to ourselves. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Okay. So the next section, his fourth section is at his end, we become part of a gospel community centered in Jesus Christ, anchored in restored truth, living prophets and apostles, and another testament of Jesus Christ, the book of Mormon. So um, we have accept, we've come to the Savior with our imperfections. We've invited everyone to the inn with their imperfections. We've learned to forgive ourselves and each other. Um, and now we are part of a community. Um, and so, Lee, what, what has this, you're, you're but a wee lass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in your young life, what has the community of the church meant to you? Um. To me, it's meant that I can go anywhere in the world and know that there's people, well, it depends on where you are in the world, I guess, but (laughs) there's usually someone that uh, thinks the same way, or not thinks, believes the same things, has the same uh, hope and same desires that you do, same standards. It's a place where that, I guess everyone kind of is trying to reach the same goal, And so, and we're all trying to be like the savior and what better goal is there? Like that's, (laughs) if everyone was like the savior, then, you know, it's a pretty awesome world. So it's, it's a, the church is a community of people who are trying to improve and become, uh, like the savior. Awesome. I, I have experienced that same thing and Hopefully, I can usually find somebody who likes BYU football as well. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And then he extends that to the community, just in the spirit of, you know, President Nelson, to people on the other side of the veil as he discusses temples and temple work. And Rivka, what was the invitation that you saw in this section? 
Um, the invitation I saw, well, the one that I underlined was in the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, we can each become a strong link in our family generations. And maybe that jumped out to me because I was at BYU-Idaho as a freshman in college when President Hinckley came and spoke and gave his great talk on um, on the weak links in the chains. He, he talked about that he had a chain he was out pulling roots out with, and it snapped um, because there was a weak link. And he went to the store, the hardware store, and bought another link and repaired the chain. Um, but he mourned the fact that that chain was never really the same again. And so his caution to us, and I remember it well where I was sitting, um, was to not become the weak link, weak link in the in the chain of our family generations and to, and to keep the gospel strong. So I think that's why that jumped out to me. We can each become a strong link in our family generations. Yeah, I love that imagery. Well, the last thing he says is, Finally, fifth, we rejoice that God loves his children in our different backgrounds and circumstances, in every nation, kindred and tongue, with room for all in his inn. So in the second one, we invited everyone to the inn, and here it's talking about how God loves all of us in the inn. So what what stuck out to you, Rivka, in this section? What what really jumped out to you as you read through it? Um, we had heard a number of times in the last general conference um, the caution against things like racism, not things like specifically and and boldly <laughs> against racism and that, and that God, your race does not matter. Um, God loves all of his children, regardless of race. And then in this talk, Elder Gong says our standing before the Lord and in his church is not a matter of our marital status, but of our, our becoming faithful and valiant disciples of Jesus Christ. So he's really specific about another marginalized group within the church. And I, because I have people I love who are in this group and for whom it has caused a great deal of sorrow. I rejoiced when he said this for the, for the um, fact that he brought it to attention and gives us something to talk about. Disciples of Jesus Christ come from everywhere in every shape, size, hue, age, each with talents, righteous desires, and immense capacities to bless and serve. Yeah. Uh, there was a big, you know, focus on that, this conference. And before the conference, they made announcements about that and everything. And mm-hmm. I was surprised to hear that more than 50% of the church was, and he used the word here, unmarried instead of single. And I'm not sure if that was um, uh, intentional or not. Um, but, you know, unmarried, widowed, or divorced. Right. Um, so that, that was a surprising sort of um, tidbit that they threw in there. Well, uh, and I, he, I says, he says it includes more than half of our Relief Society sisters and more than half of our adult priesthood brothers. So this is not, the gender split seems equal in that. It's not one right. gender over the other that's, that is single. Which again was surprising, just my anecdotal experience, which mostly draws on my time here in this ward, is that, you know, the majority of people that are active are, are families we have a few singles of a variety of ages. And when I talk to them, it sounds like there are far more active single sisters than single brethren. Mm-hmm. And he didn't say specifically active or not. Right. Um, but I know worldwide with Christianity, there are far more um, active women in Christianity and the church as a whole than there are active men. Um, but that's not you know, in relationship to their marital status. So anyways, um, 
it was just good to hear and to really bring that to my mind and to bring it to the forefront of these individuals who don't have the family structure and uh, be sensitive to their um, experience and their their experience that they have in the church. So, and understand, you know, again, as he said, our standing before the Lord is not about our marital status. So, um, what was the invitation from this part of his talk? Um, beautifully said, he quotes a, a devout sister, he calls her, waiting faithfully upon the Lord for his blessings is a holy position. It must not be met with pity, patronizing, or judgment, but instead with sacred honor. And so if your feelings of being marginalized in the church do not come from a marital status or or race issue, it could be it could be the lack of children. <laughs> you know, it could be a spouse who is not active or not a member. It could be children who have left the church. Um, there are a lot of reasons that people feel like they don't measure up sometimes in the gospel. I think all of us have one reason or another because Satan works on us all really hard. So we all know a little bit what it is. We all know a lot what it is to wait faithfully upon the Lord for his blessings and to pray for them and to wait for an answer sometimes longer than we feel maybe we have the patience. And so the invitation here is in the meantime, as we're waiting, we live now not waiting for life to begin. That's a hard thing to do sometimes. (laughs) What a powerful line. Live yeah. now, not waiting for life to begin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaliyah, what, what are your thoughts about that? Um, well, when I hear the phrase, not waiting for life to begin, I think of <laughs> yeah, <wait. laughs> my dad's laughing because he knows exactly what I'm going to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rapunzel, the whole song, uh, you know, when will my life begin? So, so <laughs> I knew it was coming. She, she was stuck in that tower for 18 years, 18 years. And then we see her try and catch up on all the stuff she missed in her life. And we don't have to do that. We don't, we're not stuck in a tower. You know, we're not being trapped in some situation that the Lord is putting us in. We're just waiting for him because he knows the best timing for when certain things need to happen, but we can still live and do things. We're not stuck. So that's what I thought of. You know what? I'm inspired. (laughs) I'm going to quit my job and open a restaurant called Uh the Snuggly Duckling. (laughs) (laughs) Snuggly Duckling. (laughs) Okay, so um, Aaliyah has a couple invitations and promises right at the end. So you want to finish us off today, Aaliyah? Uh, Sure. So the invitations, he has a couple. So one of them is, uh, when we care for each other as we would, miracles occur. So the, the promise being miracles will occur when we care for each other. And then another one is, as we create room in his inn, welcoming all, our good Samaritan can heal us on our dusty mortal roads. So when we welcome people to the inn, we are healed as well, not only them. Um, and another promise that he gives is, with perfect love, our Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, promise peace in this world and eternal life in the world to come. I love it. Lots of invitations there and promises. Maybe we could sum those up all by saying, care for each other and ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that one where you said, as we create room in his inn, welcoming all, our good Samaritan can heal us on our dusty mortal roads. It ties back to the very beginning where in that one sentence, where all of those things, again, you know, we're being healed. We're healing others. We're in the end. We're caring for people. Mm-hmm. We're being cared for. Um, so we have all these roles, as you said, Rivka, and the Lord invites us to fill all those roles 
for others, but also for ourselves. Um, so this was a, a beautiful, amazing talk. And I heard a lot of people who really this talk resonated with. Um, and I, I, I just loved um, all of these ideas. So thank you both for your insights today. So the next talk we're going to discuss is I Love to See the Temple by President Henry B. Eyring. And Aliyah, how can people get a hold of us? We have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our usernames are Words of the Prophets Podcast. Uh, we post every Sunday and Thursday when we release our episodes. And if you would like to email us, our email is Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. Okay. Thanks, Aliyah. And thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.